We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Despite a slow start due to injury, Yasmani Grandal delivered what the Chicago White Sox were wishing for in 2021. When they signed the veteran catcher, the hope was for a high on base percentage carried by one of the best walk rates in baseball, paired with power not often seen by catchers. Grandal finished with more walks and strikeouts and had career highs in on-base percentage, sluggy percentage, and OPS plus at 155. Even though he only played in 93 games, Grandal bashed 23 home runs in 2021 and added another in the postseason during the White Sox victory in Game 3 of the American League Division Series. Many forget because Larry Garcia's go-ahead blast stole the spotlight, but it was Grandal's oppo taco that put the White Sox on the board. There was a lot of hope heading into 2022 that Grandal once again could help carry the light up. The opposite happened. Yoan Mikata had a solid but not spectacular 2021 season. After the shortened 2020 campaign in which COVID clearly impacted Mankata, it was evident that the home run power displayed in 2019 was still missing. Mankata had a good OPS at 787 for 2021, which was at a 116 OPS plus for that season, but that was carried by his very high on-base percentage, which was at 375, and he only had 48 extra base hits, with 14 of those being home runs. There was hope that in 2022, Mikata could take another step forward and inch closer to the numbers he posted in 2019. Instead, Mikata stumbled back. Grandal had a decent start in 2022 as he hit his first home run of the season in Game 2 of the season to help power the White Sox to their first victory. Despite a five-game hitting streak between April 23rd to April 28th, Grandal finished the first month of the season with a dismal 169 batting average, a 242 on base percentage, and slugged just 254. That home run he hit in Detroit was the only home run for the month. It didn't get better in May for Grandal as again, he only hit one home run in the month back on May 16th against Kansas City. 
Entering June, Grandal's slash slide got worse, now hitting 163 with a 271 on base percentage and slugging 218. We saw Grandal have a slow start the previous year, so the hope was that eventually Grandal would snap out of it. And he did for a bit in June. Even though he didn't hit a home run in that month, Grandal had another five-game hitting streak from June 5th to 11th with six RBIs during that stretch. And he was two for two against Texas on June 11th when Grandal injured himself running to first base. Par for the White Sox course. The hamstring injury, paired with back spasms, landed Grandal on the injured list in which he wouldn't return to the White Sox until after the All-Star break on July 22nd. Another month of games missed by Grandal. And Grandal only played in seven games during July, but yet again, no home runs. He did have two three-hit games against Cleveland and Colorado, but all three of those hits were singles. The power had completely disappeared from Grandal. And entering the month of August, Grandal had a 200 batting average, but just a 297 on base percentage and a 245 slugging percentage. A little power was shown by Grandal hitting a double in back-to-back games on August 5th at 6th against Texas. A few days later, in what was his best game of the season, Grandal went 3-for-5 with a home run and two RBIs. But it was the only home run Grandal hit in the month of August. In the final month, and desperately needing someone to get hot in the lineup along with Elvis Andrews, Grandal couldn't help. He did hit two home runs in September, but Grandal finished with just five home runs for the entire season. Far cry from his 2021 production, and he posted a career-worst 570 OPS with just a 269 slugging percentage. The check engine light is glowing red on the White Sox $18.5 million catcher. Yoan Mikata was on track at being ready for opening day, but he was a late scratch in the final week of spring training with a right oblique strain. Former White Sox manager Tony LaRusso said about the injury, quote, the worst part about it is that he'll walk around and he looks fine, except when he sneezes and he'll go to his knees, end quote. Mikata would not rejoin the Chicago White Sox until May 9th in the infamous meltdown loss against Cleveland. Mikata was wood for four in that game with a walk and hit by pitch, so he reached on base three times. That's a pretty good start. Mikata would flex a power and demonstrated that maybe his oblique strain was manageable against the Yankees, hitting home runs on May 12th and May 14th. However, after May 14th, it became quite apparent that Mikata was still feeling the sting when seen on some swings batted left-handed, and the results showed. Mikata would not hit another home run for a month, and from May 15th to June 14th, Mikata had just two extra base hits, both of them doubles. June 15th was a out-of-the-blue performance for Mikata. In Detroit, Mikata put on a show for the ages, one of the best single-game performances for a White Sox hitter, when he went 5-for-6 with a double, home run, and 5 RBIs. The following game, Mikata was lifted as he got injured running down the first baseline. He would return to the injured list a couple days later with a strained hamstring. Mikata went 2-for-5 in his first game back against the Angels, driving in 2 RBIs, but he went on another homerless drought and wouldn't find the seats again until July 11th against Cleveland on his way to a 3-RBI day. Makata would find a hot streak in the last series before the All-Star break at Minneapolis. Good timing, as a lot of the Sox machine folks were attending that weekend's games with their meetup. Makata went 8-for-20 in the four games, 
with two doubles and a home run, scoring eight runs. That offensive spurt pushed his season OPS to 600, and it got White Sox fans hoping that Mankata was turning a corner. Mankata would not push past a 600 OPS until September 8th. Now, between the All-Star break in September, Makata had another good series against the Houston Astros in home, which Makata had two game-winning base hits and drove in seven runs over four games. Again, there was hope that he was turning a corner, but clearly didn't. On September 8th, Makata had another out-of-the-blue game. Just like in Detroit back in June, Makata had another five-hit game going five for six against the Oakland Athletics, but this time with two home runs and a double driving in five RBIs. That night alone picked up his season OPS from 582 to 624. Makata did have a decent September with a 753 OPS for the month with a slash line of a 252 batting average, an on-base percentage of 287, but he slugged 466. Makata hit five home runs in September to push his season total to 12. Altogether, it was a career-worst season for Yohan Makata with a 212 batting average, a 273 on base percentage that was 100 points below what he put up in 2021, and a woeful 353 slugging percentage. His OPS Plus was 76, which puts him 24 points below league average. Thanks to his stellar defense at third base, Makata had a 1.0 war, according to baseball reference. Meanwhile, Yasmani Grandal had a negative 1.5 war. Heading into the 2023 season, Grandal is set to make $18.5 million, and Makata is set to make $17 million. Grandal is the third highest paid catcher in baseball next year behind Philadelphia's JT Real Muto and Kansas City's Salvador Perez. Mankata will be the sixth highest paid third baseman behind Anthony Rendon, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, Alex Bregman, and Josh Donaldson. The 2023 White Sox cannot have Mankata and Grandal duplicate their efforts in 2022. They need to see significant improvement from both players to merit the money being spent. So what needs fixing to get Mankata and Grandal back on track? We discuss after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. As we continue the conversation on trying to find ways to help fix Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Makata so they can have bounce back seasons in 2023. And joining me to continue that conversation is Jim Margulis, the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. And Jim, let's start with Yasmani Grandal. Really bad 2022 season from Yasmani Grandal. How big of a factor is age regression with 2022? Hmm. I mean, like, <laughs> I was thinking, like, remember we talked about, like, the AJ Pollock episode? We thought, like... Is that going to be the least listened to player review podcast of, <laughs> and now we're, we're, we're doubling up on Grandal and Mankata and being like, yeah, here's a, you didn't like the, one of these guys, here's two of them. Uh, <laughs> I, I think with Grandal, like some of it was age, uh, especially like since like, you know, knee injuries or like just kind of injuries in general, health, you know, kind of, uh, the, the more you play, the more you get hurt, the harder it is to rebound uh, all the way to what you used to be. So that, that has something to do with it. Even if you do like try to localize the issues to like not getting all the way back from knee surgery, part of that has, you know, age is part of that. So yeah, I, I think naturally it has a say in it. It's just how much of that is age alone and you know, as has been a theme for so many of our discussions, how much of it was just poor communication between Grandal and Tony La Russa and the White Sox training staff and the front office to uh, understand exactly just, you know, how much he should have been playing, how little the White Sox should have expected from the jump. Could his, could his workload and season and his rollout have been managed differently if other people were in charge of the White Sox or the training staff. So like, yeah, it's, it's cloudier than usual. I think just because we saw what he could do in 2021, even with the midseason knee surgery and the way he just can turn on pitching and rip, you know, 430 foot homers to the pole field, like that disappeared on him. And while age would be part of it, like just to have it just, disappear on him like just vanish completely and have to settle for opposite field singles and you know wimpy ground balls to the right side like that just that shouldn't have been age alone so that's why i'm thinking like you know it, it, it's not that right now i think the question to me is like the problem is like grandal lost a year 
at a time in his career when he could like afford to lose a year because like each year he has right now is precious. So I think like, that's my problem is like he, maybe he can't get 2022 back. And that's the problem because like 2023 might've been like a poor aging year, no matter what. Uh, so like that's, that's, I think where I wrestle with it, uh, from like a, uh, an age perspective and age alone. Yeah. Yes. Money Grandal just had his birthday on November 8th. So he is now 34 years old. And I have to imagine, I mean, some catchers just stick around forever, Mm -hmm. but they're backup catchers. They're the guys you give a million dollars to, and they play in like 40 games a season. That's not the case with Yasmane Grandal. He is the third highest paid catcher in Major League Baseball. And catchers, they don't age as well as other positions or other players do for Major League Baseball. They take a lot of pain. They take a lot of contact especially defensively. So it is something to keep in mind, keep an eye on going to next season. And it's just something that's been a lingering question here for me is yes, injuries are playing a factor, but man, we talked so many times about Jose Abreu and his attempts in fighting age regression and how in 2022, he pulled a, a neat little trick here uh, to focus more on contact and, and walks. And he made that type of correction could Yasmani Grandal go the same route, Jim, as the shifts are being restricted going to 2023 that maybe we don't get 20 home run Yasmani Grandal anymore, mm-hmm. but you get 10 home run Yasmani Grandal and his on-base percentage picks up and it's better than 370. That's kind of what I'm thinking, especially like if his workload does decrease to where he's not like an 130-game player anymore and he doesn't take up so much of the DH uh, opportunities and the first base opportunities. Like, um, that's something I think will be, you know, maybe one of Grafal's biggest tests is that, you know, we, Grandal said he didn't play enough or like that he should have played more, should have started behind the plate more. He was one of their cases where we need to manage him for October and then October never arrived. So could the White Sox have done it differently? I think, you know, the, the argument there is like, just picture like somebody at guitar center or something like that, like trying to play a song by ear and stumbling five notes in like, wait, I can do it again. Wait, no, I can do it. Wait, hold on. I got like, and all of a sudden you're there for 15 minutes and, and you're not getting any closer and just being like, why are we sitting here? Let somebody else have the, get a crack at this, this, this nice piano. They might actually buy it. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of in terms of like, just what, yeah. If Grandal got his way and started as much as he wanted to, would things have been any different? Like, I'm not inclined to give uh, a 33 year old catcher that benefit of the doubts. Like the, it's a case where like some guys do age well, even if they're starters, but they don't have two knee surgeries uh, that they're coming back from, especially one that did affect them over the course of the, uh, the way he prepared over the course of the winter. And just might be, this might be a bad year for him. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at in terms of just uh, thinking like he can rebound. Cause like, I just can't imagine everything disappearing on him like that. But I do think expectations have to be calibrated. And, uh, you know, Griffal not having any major league experience. I know that used to be a stigma for managers, like not having been there. And like Buck Showalter never played in the majors. And, you know, he was able to establish himself as like a, somebody who could be a disciplinarian, but, uh, you know, ultimately get the player's respect. Uh, some guys are not able to do that. Some guys are kind of laughed out of the room or, uh, 
like Jace Tingler is the most recent example of like a guy just, oh, you're a front office puppet. Uh, you don't have the command of like, you don't have the ability to bench an Eric Hosmer, who's like, a, uh, you know, kind of playing poorly and, and uh, replaceable. And just, you know, he's, he's a veteran and he's a proven uh, playoff hero, uh, Eric Hosmer. So you're going to have like Jace Tingler tell him what to do. No. So I think like if Grandal has another start to the season, like he had last year, uh, how Griffal manages that, how uh, Grandal responds to Griffal. How many times am I going to transpose names of Grandal and Griffal? If I say them in the same <laughs> sentence is going to be a challenge, but so far I'm doing a great job here. That That's, I think going to be, uh, one of the more, uh, fascinating, situations he play out especially if Sebi Zavala regresses a little bit and is not like the guy who can survive with a 35% strikeout rate the way he did at various points yeah that's a good point so moving over to Yohan Makata we do have some insight from Grafal Grafal mentioned in his after his introduction press conference speaking one-on-one with beat reporters that he wants Yohan Makata to go back as the hitter who walked 80 plus times and he did that in 2021. And that's fine because he had a OP, uh, an on-base percentage above 370, which is really good and rarely seen with the White Sox. But because Mikado was so passive, the power sank as he had a slugging percentage of like 412. Nothing went right for Yohan Mikado. The on-base percentage was terrible and the slugging percentage got worse. Does it make sense as a strategy for Yohan Mikado to focus more on walking in 2023, Jim? I don't think so. I, I don't think with him, like, walking... Like, to me, like, his walks that he drew in 2021 were, like, an okay fallback plan for somebody dealing with, you know, it, it seemed like the after effects of COVID uh, played a part. He couldn't summon his bat speed that he had in 2019. Wasn't that threat to go deep. So, like, he played great defense. He drew some walks. He was... Yeah, thinking about like, you know, Jose Abreu, except like, you know, uh, Mancada didn't hit 300, but like Abreu was somebody who like, as he aged and couldn't summon that 30 home run power, still kept the line moving, still contributed in other ways to be a plus player for the White Sox. Mancada was the same way. Like he didn't, he didn't have the ability to like attack pitching the way he did in 2019. So he had a nice little fallback plan of like, you know, he still had that uh, plate discipline that he had in 2018 uh, that he might've been a little bit too passive, but he still had that strike zone judgment going for him. He still had the occasional ability to, uh, you know, hit the ball for power and, and, you know, split the gap and, and, and run a little bit. And, and that worked out well for him. And I know like, you know, that, that, uh, Penals fought this war on Twitter time and time again, talking about like, you know, was Moncada a disappointment or was he a plus player? I think, you know, he's kind of both. Like he was a disappointment relative to 2019, but he found ways to make himself useful. In 2022, he was not useful. He played some good defense, but like just, he was not, he was not a good player. Like we, we, we talked about before, like, is he Connor Gillespie with defense? Like that's kind of what he was in 2021, 2022. Just like he was a, he was like Brent Morell, like good glove guy, couldn't hit. Like and, and Brent Morell then had back back problems and washed out. But I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Like if Moncada didn't have his prospect uh, pedigree and didn't have 2019 and didn't have didn't have the contract, if you're just looking at Moncada with fresh eyes in 2022, uh, oh, is he like a second day draft pick? Is getting a getting a crack in the majors and not panning out? Okay, back to Charlotte with you and see if you can make any tweaks. Like that's kind of what we're looking at here. So it's. 
walks, I don't think are the metric I would use. I think that's kind of like an end of the year type thing. Like has the power returned? No. Is he still able to find gaps here and there and hit uh, 260 or whatever? And, and yeah, above average on base percentage because of that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is he going to hit 15 homers and run the bases? Okay. Play good defense. Okay. Then what's his walk total after that? Probably around 80 because like he doesn't have the power to pounce on strikes early in the count. And maybe he fouls off pitches he would have put in play earlier. So walks are more of a byproduct of having longer at bats because he's not turning around pitching the way like Jose Abreu drew more walks because he wasn't crushing hittable pitches the way that he did before. That's kind of how I'm looking at his walks column. I think other things have to be fixed before he draws that kind of walk. Uh, and if he draws like 50 walks because he's hitting 25 to 30 homers, like everybody will gladly take that. So I think walks are one of those columns. Like I get what he's saying, but it's a case where like he hasn't been here maybe to understand like the full Yohan Mankata experience. And maybe when it comes to figuring out like the depth chart and how he's drawing up lineups and how he's, you know, what kind of expectations set for players and as they're having discussions, like what's the plan A, what's the plan B? Like maybe he'll get like a fuller picture of what Mankata has been to understand like how he draws walks and why he draws walks and like the good kinds of walks, the bad kind of walks and, and understanding how those things are balancing out. If this is the plan for the White Sox is to focus on Yohan Mankata to be more patient at the plate to draw walks, he needs to bat ninth. Yeah. Not second. Bat him ninth. And and you just keep him there. Turning over the lineup. That's fine. But that's not where the White Sox have been batting Yohan Mankata. <laughs> They've been batting him second, which makes zero sense. And I agree with a lot of things that you mentioned, Jim. And, you know, with the walks, like Jose Abreu drew more walks because... Opposing pitchers still feared Jose Abreu. Like, yeah, he's not hitting for a lot of power, but I don't want to be the pitcher that figures that out, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the pitcher that snaps him out of this funk and then he hits 10 home runs in a couple of weeks because he's still Jose Abreu. Opposing pitchers still feared Jose Abreu. There's no reason for any pitcher to fear Yohan Makata. None. And if a pitcher does not fear you, they're not going to walk you. Zach Collins. Yeah, and great point. And he's still struggling to stick at the majors. And that walk rate at AAA and in the minors means not a damn thing when you get to the majors and people realize, oh, you can't hit 94. <laughs> I'm getting you angry about Zach Collins again. Yeah, you always find a way, Jim. That's impressive. Yes. Uh, even though he's on, a, what, his third ball club since leaving the White Sox, I've lost track. Doesn't matter. That is where I think the focal point should be power. If Yohan Mikata can consistently, and maybe it's not home runs, maybe it's doubles, and he's just hitting balls into the gap or off the wall. That is where he'll draw more walks because then if pitchers, if parts of the strike zone get eliminated with the path suite of Yohan Mikata because he's on time and he's hitting it with authority, Jim, mm -hmm. then they're going to nibble. And we know that Mikata does have a good batter's eye, but sometimes he just goes through these stretches that he has no idea where the outside corner is and he's striking out looking all the time on a full count. And that also adds to a lot of frustration watching Yohan Makata at the plate. So I, I get why Grafal wants Makata to walk 80 plus times because that's going to feed into his on-base percentage and that will ultimately make his OPS better. And if his OPS is better and he's getting on base more often we could maybe score more runs. Like I get the thinking for Grafal. Yeah. 
But for everyone that's been a White Sox fan that's watched Yoan Mikata in his career with the White Sox, I don't know if this is necessarily the right direction, but you got to take a direction anyways with Yoan Mikata, and this leads to the next talking point about Yoan Mikata. What does a re- good season realistically look like for Yoan Mikata in 2023, Jim? Because honestly, during his tenure with the White Sox, there's more bad than good now. The place I would start is 2021. Like as much as people, (laughs) this is a case where too, like maybe the blessing of his 2022 season is that if he does revert to his 2021 form, people will be happy to see it as opposed to disappointed. Like, you know, it was a bad come down from the uh, five to six win player and, and, and getting an MVP nod from uh, James Feagan in 2019. You know, it was a disappointment to go to a guy who had 14 homers and, you know, I'm looking at his uh, OPS, you know, came up short of 800, but now we've seen him uh, bet 212 and uh, just, uh, yeah, the 626 OPS, like offer nothing, uh, you know, for weeks at a time. Like now I think people will be happy to see that 2021 form again, where he was a four win player because the defense was so good. I think to me, like, it's a, it's a case where, like I'm thinking, like in the terms of if you were to put uh, my reaction to Mankata like on the Vince McMahon uh, meme of like you know the where he's like eyebrow raised like leaning forward and then like like he never got me to the eyebrow raised part <laughs> like just where all of a sudden like yeah. you know we we know when Mankata's good like the he does the bat drop like the you know he he whips the bat around like he hits a no you know picturesque no doubt homer to the right side he puts his uh, hand over his helmet to stabilize it because it almost fell off to the force of the swing. And you know, like that guy was just like never there, like had the occasional swing. It was usually like on a mistake, but like, I, I you know, basically I want to see him like get to the point where just like, I'm, I'm excited about him for more than a series uh, because it seldom lasted for longer than like a few days. And, you know, if I'm looking for a non-boring answer that isn't something he's already done, like there's probably like a middle ground between his 2021 and 2019 to where like he is a 20 homer guy, especially if he summons that pole field power uh, with regularity and he draws like, you know, something like 65, 70 walks. And you're talking about a guy who hits like, you know, 270 and maybe the OBP is a bit lower, but the slugging is a bit higher and he kind of, you know, evens out to like an 800, some low 800 OPS. Like that feels me like within reason, but Right now I'm kind of setting my expectations for crossing fingers for 2021 just mm-hmm. because like he was lost for so long that maybe he is somebody who just peaks early. And I think the White Sox have to be prepared for that just because it's two bad seasons in a row now. Or like or two like or I should say not two bad seasons in a row, but like two out of three, to where like he just wasn't a factor, really. And uh and, and then the season in between, he was he lost that top end talent. You know, the, the top and the, the guy, you know, the, the stuff that really made him special. So like, uh, it's not a case where like it's Luis Robert and when he's healthy, he's great. Mm-hmm. It's like, he hasn't really been that guy at any point over the last three years. So like, did, have we already seen his best? That's like, that's a realistic case. 2017 new 2018 bad 2019. Awesome. 2020 COVID led to bad season. 2021, he's a four-war player with no power, so we'll call that good because he got to four-war. 2022, bad. There's more bad than good for Yohan Mikado. So let's hope that he reverses this trend because, as I mentioned, Yasmani Grandal 
third highest paid catcher next season. Yohan Makata is the sixth highest paid third baseman in Major League Baseball. So what do the White Sox need for both? The third best catcher in 2022, according to Fangraphs, was Sean Murphy of the Oakland Athletics. He was a five-war catcher. The sixth best third baseman in 2022 was the third baseman the Boston Red Sox kept and didn't trade to the White Sox. It's Rafael Devers, who had a 4.9-war season. So in order for Grandal and Mikata to live up to the contracts they have signed with the White Sox to merit their salaries in 2023, Jim, the bar is five war. <laughs> if they fall short of that, the White Sox are not getting their money's worth. Now, Grandal has done it three times in his career, twice with the Dodgers, once with the Milwaukee Brewers. Mikata has done it once, and that was back in 2019. They've done it before. Based on how much money they're making, they're going to have to figure out how to perform at that level again. Or the, this is where we're talking about sunk costs. And, and the White Sox, this is an area of the payroll where they are overpaying for the production that they are getting at catcher at third base compared to the rest of Major League Baseball. And I'm sorry, Yohan Mercado is the sixth highest paid third baseman going into 2023. He's going to be the fifth highest paid third baseman going into 2024. He needs to start playing like a top six third baseman. And this is a stacked position in Major League Baseball, Jim. There are so many good third basemen. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Mikata is getting paid more than Jose Ramirez to play third base the next two years is where I'm having a problem. And this is the, the issue now with the analysis. And you've talked about it for years. Yohan Mikata is not cheap anymore. And he needs to perform at a level that the White Sox were hopeful for when they signed him to this contract. The time has finally come. And he really needs to step up. But if he doesn't, start making plans on who's playing third base for the White Sox in 2025 because there's no way they're picking up that club option. Yeah, I think with, uh, you know, Grandal, like he's in the final year of his deal. The White Sox signed a catcher in his 30s to a four-year deal. You expect the fourth year to be kind of ugly. And to kind of be figuring out, like, where do we move on in case, like, the knees bark or the back acts up or something like that. So I think, you know, there are different points in their careers. But, yeah, this was supposed to be, you know, Moncada signed the deal or the White Sox signed him to that deal, even though it's not cheap because it's superstar insurance. They signed him after the, you know, it might have been buying high, but they 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 signed it after the 2019 you know, season when you think you're going to have more of those, you know, Maybe even better because he, he did seem like he had more power to tap into. It's a case where like if Grandall is useful, like if he's just like a good, yeah, I should say good, like average catcher, because there is a shortage of catcher on baseball to where like Martin Maldonado, though he can't hit and has a broken hand, you know, he's a World Series winning catcher because, you know, just the the position is what it is. If you can call a good game and, uh, you know, uh, receive well for your pitchers, like you can be useful for a team. And it's up to that team to make sure that you're batting an appropriate amount in the right spot in the order. And, and, and you know, it's another person's problem to solve. So Grandol has a lot more cushion in terms of what's acceptable. Moncada, yeah, if we're talking about like, if we're ranking him on the Brent Morell to Connor Gillespie scale like over the last two years, and we continue doing that, like, yeah, it's just a case where you're waiting him out when you expected him to be uh, in the middle of everything and taking that baton from Jose Abreu, as we talked about, like, uh, you know, being the 
uh, linchpin of the lineup. Right now, we're like looking at you know, our eyes are turning to Aloy Jimenez and maybe Andrew Vaughn to be those next generation lineup fixtures because Mancada right now, if we're talking about him batting ninth as the most sensible place to hit him, like that's rough. Uh, especially since he's two with Grandal, that you know, Mancada, Grandal, the lefties. Right. You know, who are they they were hoping on to balance lineup and provide production against righties? Like that's that's why it hurts even more. They've done it before. They've been five war players before, but that is where they're gonna have to be in 2023 to merit the contracts that they have. I'll settle for three war, but then they're being overpaid. And Yohan Mikata is being very overpaid going to the 2024 season where he gets a $7 million pay raise. And then there's going to be a lot of White Sox fans trying to figure out how to dump that contract. Best of luck. Uh, but at least with Yasmani Gradal, if he fails again in 2023, if age regression is just too much, his body starts to fail him. Yeah. At least there's an escape route for the White Sox going into next season. But it, the time is now. And with Yasmani Gradal, there's the age factor. But with Yohan Makata, he's out of excuses. He is 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He was the headliner of the rebuild for the Chicago White Sox. He's done it before. He needs to be more consistent. He's out of excuses. The time is now. And that will do it for this episode as we talk about Yoan Makata and Yasmati Grandal. I hope you enjoyed it. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. If you enjoy your work at Sox Machine and you want more, you can sign up to become one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash Machine. Our Patreon supporters for Sox Machine, they get more. They get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.